0: Okay, Welcome back to the Teach for Justice podcast. I am very, very grateful um, and humbled to have Stacy Young and Virginia Nguyen from Educate to Empower here. And the main reason we are here today is to discuss a, a really uh, impactful event. It was impactful to me, even though I wasn't there the entire time that recently happened. And I wanted to... Um, uh, not just uh, debrief it, but celebrate it and really kind of take a second to acknowledge um, all of the uh, uh, wonderful things that happened um, as a result of the event and maybe get a little bit of background on on the process, which I'm also fascinated by. And it, it was a conference that you guys put on called Teaching for Justice, and it took place at UC Irvine um, this year, 2022, on April 29th and 30th. Uh, the first day, Friday, was all virtual. I attended that day, especially the that opening um, keynote panel, which um, was uh, uh, I have definitely some reactions to. Uh, and Saturday was full day in person. Um, the list of speakers, uh, if you're not familiar with um, the variety and, and the the dynamic group uh, of um, of people talking about the Asian American community, there um, the speakers might not mean much, but we'll, I'll link you to the, to the list, but let's just say, and you guys can talk more about their, their qualifications, it was authors, uh, uh, journalists, um, uh, uh, people who are uh, archivists, I mean, it was um, uh, politicians, I mean, uh, activists, people who just do amazing work, as well as, as, well as frontline educators, students. Um, I mean, it really was uh, such a great representation. Um, but to get a little context for everybody, let's just kind of start with um, the inspiration behind something like this. i I've seen sort of cultural webinars, but this was so much more. what was what was the inspiration behind doing something like this? You
1: know, this really started out as just kind of a dream and a conversation. And this really came out of, I think when we looked back on our records, a conversation we had in March or April, 2021, this was at the peak of, well, maybe not peak, but this was at when most of now the media was recognizing anti-Asian hate and the rise of it, um, following the murder of the six Asian women in Atlanta. So, you know, in a lot of conversations that we were having with fellow educators, with our community, a lot of us were just wondering, what can we do? Um, We were invited to speak at the Irvine City Town Hall community conversation about addressing um, the rise in anti asian hate. And in that conversation, this topic came up again, what can we do? And then that conversation segued into, we need, to, we, we need to educate folks. Like we can't, this is happening because people don't know the history of anti-Asian hate. This is happening because Asians continue to feel invisible. They're not represented. Um, students don't have positive representations of Asians in the media, in curriculum, anywhere. So we were identifying this is, this is the problem. And so Virginia and I, Um, started thinking like, okay, what can we do as educators? Okay, well, let's just start with educating our networks. So we started, the two of us, um, with local organizations like Orange County Q, UC Irvine, um, in creating um, workshops to help educators learn the history of anti-Asian hate, but also with resources and how to bring Asian American studies into the curriculum, or at least um, start highlighting achievements, um, and celebrating, um, Asian Americans, And then, you know, one thing leads to another. And with our work, um, in, in many different communities at UC Irvine, especially, um, we started getting connected with different folks from different departments. Um, some notable people at the very beginning of, of this conference planning is Dr. Stephanie reyes Tuccio. She is the, uh, Vice Chancellor of the UCI Center uh, for Educational Partnerships. I need to check on that title. But she is part of the UCI Center for Educational Partnerships. Um, Dr. Tuivo Vo Deng, she is the archivist at the Southeast Asian Archives in the UCI Libraries. Um, Dr. Nicole Gilbertson, who is a director of the UCI Teacher Academy. Um, And so, you know, it's really their belief in our vision that really kind of spearheaded that inspiration behind this conference. Um, and it was very grassroots. It was just us dreaming out loud in a Zoom meeting with a running Google doc of what could this be? What would do we want this to be? And as we began looping in more and more folks from different organizations so that everyone's kind of lending their networks, their skills, um, that's how this came to be. It was a dream of how can we connect communities? How can we advocate for Asian American studies, um, bridging these communities from um, higher education, academia, scholars, classroom teachers, K-12 classroom teachers, to students, to parents, families, other community organizations, because this this is our common goal. And so that's how we saw this. How can we bring all these communities together with this common goal, How can we center this? And what are the types of workshops and experiences and opportunities we can provide for all these stakeholders so that they're actionable steps of what all of us can do?
0: So the vision is clear now. Was it always this clear or did did you map it out first or did you just say, here's what we want to do. Let's just kind of start and figure it out as we go.
1: Well, Virginia is a big dreamer. So she's just right out the door. Let's do a conference. And then all of us were like, okay, but how? And so it did take, I mean, this was a year of planning of the logistics of how we're going to do this. Where are we going to do this and what capacity also being very aware of, you know, the the heavy burden that teachers were carrying this year and being mindful of not adding to that and wanting to just be supportive of that. Um, and wanting to invite community members to this space, so it was there was a lot of intention behind it. But Virginia drummed big; she wanted a conference, and we got a conference, and um, and we just kind of kept it, you know, iterating on how many sessions, how many workshops, what is reasonable, what what will teachers want, what types of workshops and experiences can we offer and bring that's meaningful, that will inspire that is useful that teachers can feel like i can do something with this or if not a teacher someone attending me like okay I, I can do something with this knowledge yeah
0: and I, I hear you as you know a frontline teacher here we, we weren't this year especially i wasn't reaching out for any and all professional development it it, it was this was not the year for that right um, but I did, I was very attracted to what you guys had put together and, and was able to go the first day, but yeah. I, and, and I, I, appreciate on behalf of everyone who was, who was there, or everyone who gets hit up by people. Cause you know I sent it to my whole staff and invited people that, you know, I wouldn't have done that without it feeling like it was going to be uh, worth your, worth your time. Um, uh, so the process, I've, I'm a big fan of asking people about their process. Was it a smooth process where there were there times where it was really tricky or maybe even looked like it didn't happen or or was everyone just so genuinely helpful and excited that it kind of went pretty good.
2: Hey everyone, this is Virginia, AKA the dreamer. (laughs) Um, First of all, Alfredo, thanks so much for having Stacey and I. Um, We're huge fans of your work too, and huge fans of your podcast title. So, um, you know, it's, I think when you ask about the process, I think this will really resonate with other educators that, you know, um, like it was what I declare is like heart work, you know? It, it came from what our core, core beliefs, hopes and dreams were, which was a place that was affirming, a place of celebration, a place of joy, and a place of community. And those were our driving um, goals, our guiding lights in terms of the type of experience we wanted. And so when you ask, was it a smooth process? I would say yes, because we were all driven towards something that would become, um, you know, that was good. So in those ways, it was smooth because it was like easy to... um, find the time and the energy to do something you care about. Um, there were challenges because this is the first conference that I've helped be a part of. Stacy has thrown other conferences. She, you know, um, helped create um, IUSD where I teach. One of the first conferences that brought speakers from out of the district in. So Stacy has had that this experience, she's helped organize. Um, OCQ. She's helped organize um, CCSS. So like Stacy has a lot of conference experience, planning experience already. So thank goodness for her because I may be the dreamer, but when it comes to logistical things, I'm still learning. Right.
0: <laughs> um,
2: so in terms of smooth process, like as a person who this was my first conference to try to help organize, I would argue that it was smooth and the um, the committee that came together to make this happen. Um, Actually, like that was something that upon reflection, so many of us talked about was what a great experience it was, not just to have the two-day conference, but the whole year together felt amazing. And it was because we all came together with those visions of community, right? The vision of joy, celebration, knowledge. Um, I learned as much from the community community of planners and committee as much as I did in the, the workshops that I also attended.
0: Right, so you're trying to provide professional development but you're getting it through the process in ways you didn't even know was gonna happen. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, who else needs a shout out for putting this deal together?
1: Honestly, so many. Um, is it if it's possible, you can link our, our conference website 100%. to um, the page where you host this podcast because it truly was this convergence of of organizations. Um, so many. And and like Virginia says, like in reflection, like I am so grateful to have been a part of that. Um, just to be in that space of community leaders, of of and on all of us, this was volunteer. We all met bi-weekly. All of us, we carved out time to do this. We all had our own tasks that we did on our own time, in addition to whatever other jobs, you know, lives that we, we had, because this was a passion project for all of us. So truly, there were so many organizations and folks involved in that full planning committee um, that really made this special. Uh, in
0: our world, there are, you know, big, big names, right? In, in education and, and in, in whether it's activism or, or, or whatever it might be. Is there is there somebody who at the beginning you thought wasn't gettable, but then you guys got them to participate and you guys were like, I can't believe we got this person. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Um- that would definitely be Lisa Ling.
0: Okay. Which was awesome. <laughs> I saw that. It was awesome.
2: Oh, my gosh. You know, um, can I just call her Lisa? No. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I'm partner. kidding. So Lisa Ling, um, when we were putting, we were at the part where we we're like, okay, who would we like to our keynote speakers to be? And um, I had just saw that Lisa Ling had addressed Congress about the need for Asian Americans represented in the curriculum. And so we were just talking and at first we were like thinking of like local leaders and we were really excited about the local leaders that were going that we were going to ask if they would keynote for us. And then I don't again I think this is me being a dreamer. I was like can does anyone here know Lisa Ling? You know, just kind of putting it out there. And then in our conference committee, a few folks were like, I have a connection. You know, I have a connection. And it turns mm-hmm. out Dr. Thweeb ding who is an amazing person and com- so humble, did not share with us that she actually was recording an episode for takeout with Lisa Ling and that they had shared space, broke bread, share, or I guess in this case, spring rolls together. And um, that's how she knows her. And then, so she's like, I think I know how to reach her. And so she reached out to her. um, And Lisa Ling said she would, and she was really trying her best to come in person. That was the part that was really amazing is that, um, she is doing her best to come. She wanted to be in the space with educators. Her scheduling didn't work out. So she filmed that recording, but um, I don't know. What did you think of the recording?
0: Oh, I, first of all, I didn't even know it was a recording. I thought it was live. I don't know if I missed something there, but I thought it was live. I was feeling it live. Um, but I agree though, that reporters um, are educators. They are explaining to people. It's a very, it's a lot of crossover skills. I feel like I would have been an investigative reporter if I didn't go into teaching uh, or a journalist. Um, But yes, I, and I've interviewed uh, some journalists for this and I have some more lined up because I feel like, you know, it's not just us in the classroom educating kids, it's parents and it's the news and some people are doing it well and some people aren't. She's doing a a great job. And uh, so I, you know, I was already signed up when I saw that she was going to be there and it was just like, bonus. And then other names were coming up because you had been adding. And um, it was just like, this is going to be, it was as an attendee, it was already building up to be bigger than I thought it was going to be. You know, I was down for what I signed up for. And it just, it was, it was very powerful. Um, uh, and and maybe it was the setup prior to her um, presentation, because the setup too was uh, just very palpable. Just kind of the the vibe was was so good. So if if people had been there for the opening uh, uh, group uh, conversation and then saw her, like we were already ready, and, and and it was it was awesome that way.
2: You know, thanks for you know bringing that up because we're very proud of the um, community of speakers and workshop hosts that we basically curated. These are um, community members that Stacy and I and those on our committee learn from. This is not just about what can we teach, it's about what can we learn. You know, as we think about this conference, uh, something that I continue to remind myself and say, it's becoming kind of like a mantra of mine is that, you know, to combat hate, I choose knowledge and love. And that's what we were doing, we were choosing those in our Asian American community to share their stories so that we could both gain knowledge. And also, at the same time, really, you know, what is it that we do as teachers, we have hope, we have hope in our students, we bring our hearts to the classrooms, you know, we are really working to, um address and like relive and give students the experiences of school that we really loved and enjoyed and then we're also trying to address and fix and eliminate those experiences at school that did not feel good for us and so all of that came into this like dream of who it was that would come and be a part of this conference and what we could provide participants we also wanted the workshop hosts And the speakers and the, um, you know, those that were coming, like they were part of that community. We wanted everyone to leave viewing that we were together in this act of like knowledge and love.
0: Well, I'll tell you, uh, I think one of my takeaways, and I don't know if this was intentional, but it sounds like it was, was also this message. um, As adults, you were saying, I would have loved more. I would have loved school more if these couple of things would have happened. And the main thing been included more, or it just affirmed or acknowledged that came out. And the degree to which um, uh, you all, and and me too, I went to a private uh, uh, Catholic high school that was predominantly white was did not feel seen, right? uh, to, the, to the extent to which that didn't happen for many of the speakers w- became vividly clear and it was uh, you know the message for us educators who were there was like, you know, please do not let this cycle continue. Um, let me start with my first impressions I, I've been waiting to share this with you guys because I was taking you know notes and and my notes ended up being more about how I felt about being there than it was nece- early on, especially. Um, First and foremost, I want to react as a virtual conference attendee who is not Asian. I could feel the pride coming through my computer screen on that early um, opening uh, roundtable. It was not only palpable, but there was a genuine love and excitement like coming through the screen. Um, While well, I sensed the joy uh, in being together, it was mixed, though, with a little bit of tension in that first one, I, I felt. And I'm not sure if it was just day one tension that was that was in part due to the recent AAPI violence or just some kind of doubt about like, we're going to get very real here in a second. And, uh, you know, kind of a here we go kind of thing. But regardless of what it was, it was, you know, that those mixed feelings, it was incredibly compelling. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that I could tell from the jump that this was not going to be this like surface level, performative set of presentations. Uh, did either of you have a similar feeling in those first moments or did you get similar feedback from any other attendees or is it just me that was going through that?
1: Thank you for sharing these um, impressions, especially your feelings. Cause I think if anything, that is something that uh, in my own reflection separates this conference from many other conferences that I've attended and I've attended many um, is that feeling that I got from this and that energy and from both the virtual and the in-person. And, and I can't let this escape me that this is probably the first time in my whole life, at least career adult life, where um, this was an educational space where I am surrounded by Asian Americans Mm -hmm. where Asian-Americans led the sessions, where they shared their own stories, where they felt safe enough to share their own stories in a space that folks would understand, where the keynotes, um, the leaders, the speakers were Asian-American. And for myself as an Asian-American woman, that was such a powerful moment for me to, to experience this because I don't think I can ever experience this in any other space, education or not. Where, you know, this type of community, but also who's leading it, who's organizing it, who's behind this. And I think that plays a lot into the safety that folks felt in being vulnerable and sharing these stories. Um, We started with that educator panel and I was one that shared like I was one that wished I had this. I grew up in Southern California, never learning these things, not until college. How is it we still have students today asking for that? 20 plus years later. So I think, you know, yes, I had the same feelings and I'm glad that was an impression you took from it. And I think that tension was this feeling of many of us um, for the first time feeling safe enough to be vulnerable to tell my story um, fully as raw as I can be without needing to Be careful about what I say, because in some spaces, as the person of color, I feel like you do need to be careful of how much you open yourself up to and what you share. And I think this community allowed us to do that, which allowed people to really connect with us in many different levels, whether you identify as Asian or not. But, you know, as educators, as parents, as siblings, as you know. And so I think that is a part of what made this really powerful.
0: Yeah, I feel like what I missed out on by being unable to attend in person the next day, even though I felt 100% sure of this, was that if I were to show up and I were to feel um, encouraged to share, that I would have been in a space that I could have shared. Where that may not always be the case in, in my own department meetings in my own school, you know, and so I felt that. Um, plenty of times um, and and it does remind me you said um early on that someone had dedicated you' were brought up that someone had dedicated their learning that day to themselves as a child um and and one of the things i think that really hit me virginia was in that er- opening thing you said that you did like an ugly cry right before that started and i was i was thinking like yeah there's you know this is i, I don't you know i'm feeling this is gonna be awesome you know but but we need to acknowledge like whatever is going on. Um, and as a, I mean, I felt included. I felt, I just, I felt included and I just was, it was just really powerful. So for you to get me there almost without anybody saying much at the beginning, I just think um, it was, it was really, really amazing. And, you know, some other people said some great stuff at that opening um, conversation, uh, uh, Nehi. Uh, the math teacher said, I'm a math teacher, but I'll always be an Asian American student, which, you know, just kind of reminded me how, um, you know, we're all still, um, you know, we're all still learning if we're doing this right. And one of the things I think we're learning that we, that most of us are trying to learn is how to do this inclusively. Right. And that's one of the things I was trying to pick up was Okay, I, I I can I can be more inclusive. Even though I teach history and everyone thinks it's so easy, we can we can do better. And worst case, uh, uh, I can take some strategies back to some people that are are resistant on on that. Um, so um, anyway, um, the uh, let's go ahead and um, uh, you know I have a couple of I have three basic questions for you guys. One is to reflect on what were the highest of highs? And I know it's not like a competition or a ranking, but is there a high point that stood out for you guys? Was there a surprise Anything that surprised you from the uh, event? And then finally, you know, just any moment you wanted to sort of acknowledge as you're reflecting on it here, but let's start with the highs. Was was there a high or two that where you just felt like this is going like I wanted it to go? (laughs) or better than I wanted it to go.
2: Hey, everyone. It's Virginia again. And um, my God, it's so hard to choose a high because that conference, it felt, it was like, honestly, it was better than I could have imagined in terms of um, the energy we felt, you know, like, sharing space with all these educators that were there, um, as an Asian American woman, seeing folks that were not, who are not Asian American there with us. I cannot, I don't know how to put into words how that feels, you know, how great it feels to be supported, to be valued. You know, that's that one of the, um, big challenges of being Asian American is this sense of being invisible and, um, just the presence of folks that were not, are not Asian American. I mean, that makes me already feel not only visible, but valued. You're not only visible, but like worthy of, of your time, of your energy to learn about my experience. So that was really, that was really beautiful for me. So I want to definitely give a shout out to those that came because I do know what it's like to, to enter a space when you are the minority, you know, and that feels that is, that that takes um, courage to be vulnerable like that. And so seeing that really was great for me because it, it, it just like filled my heart. Um,
0: well, I, go ahead.
2: So I, I think highs, there were several, um, the one that I keep. Telling folks is that at the end of our Zoom day, at the end of our Zoom day, the question was, um, you know, what's one word? What's one word to describe how you feel? And over and over, we kept seeing the words "seen." I'm actually reading the comments from the Zoom. I'm like from the day, you know, being a history teacher, I like document some. And I'm, <laughs> but I, ha- I, have, I have, I have, I have. Someone wrote "hungry." seen, excited, inspired, empowered, thrilled, encouraged, you know, like seen. I I kept seeing the word seen, seen, seen. And that's exactly why we created this conference is because Asian American histories and lived experiences are not in our curriculum. I mean, they're required, they're in our standards in California, but they're actually like not present. Teachers don't have the tools to teach them. And here's a community of educators saying of Asian American and Pacific Islander educators who are saying, hey, today I felt seen. That to me was a huge high. And then the in-person day to, to be, a, being an Asian American educator or just being an educator of color can be really lonely in our spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, um, last I saw I was like 70% of educators are white. And so as a person of color and then add to that as an Asian American person of color, like uh, as an Asian American, you're just it's a lonely feeling. And then to be in space with educators who are mostly Asian and then who were mostly educators of color, that also just the physical um, community was another another really exciting um, high for me. Yeah,
0: as uh, a. Before we get to Stacy, I, I also wrote down at one point you said as a Vietnamese American I think we all have a complicated relationship with America, in my in my U.S. history classes I have that too and to you know to to be witnessing uh, an Asian Amer- a Vietnamese person say that about about America is so true but so often goes unsaid and um, I we have you know, I have a, a majority Vietnamese uh, population that I teach, and uh, we have teachers who really tiptoe or race through the Vietnam conflict because of how uncomfortable it is. And, you know, I decided, you know, pandemic really focused me, I think, or certainly clarified things for me. I said, we're going to sit in this, even if it's uncomfortable, we're going to sit in this, we're going to, and, um, and that's where my, desire to start looking at uh, recording some oral histories, if there's a way I can do it and contribute to the bigger project, uh, since I have that access. And w- we can talk about that later, but that was, that was a really, for as, as a history person, that was a really important thing I thought that needed to be said early. And I was so grateful that you had, had said that. Stacy Heise, and it's not. I know it's not a ranking thing or whatever, but a <laughs> couple of big moments.
1: For me, um, I definitely took a more of a kind of backseat organizer role. I didn't present um, in this intentionally, um, just kind of running logistics on this one. So I think one of the most um, pleasant surprises for me was logging on that morning, that Friday, because um, as someone who has been um, presenting a lot in the last couple of years, most of it being virtual, hosting workshops, all of this, Normally you get about, if you're lucky, 20% of those that registered show up. And that's the truth. And I get it. I do not, there's no shame on anyone. Like I also have signed up for stuff that I just couldn't muster myself to do because of all the things. And we knew this. And so, you know, like I understood this. So that morning I was like, okay, let's see how many show up because, Ooh, we don't know, you know, we don't know. And just seeing like I mean, I think we were at 190 at one point that Friday, I was blown away and people stayed. That's the other thing with virtual things that like, as the day goes on, that number starts like dropping off. Right. But to see, like we were holding strong, folks stayed. And every session was so full and people were so engaged that for someone like, again, as an organizer in that back end, I was just like, I, I was filled with just so much pride, but also like Virginia was saying, like value that these people are here. They see value in this. It makes me feel valued that all this effort and time is shown through this attendance. Um, and that goes for Saturday too. Cause I mean, I, you, you've gone to conferences, you know how it is yeah. by that last, session of that last keynote you're like oh half everyone's gone especially
0: if it's after lunch
1: (laughs) but people stayed and people were committed people were participating and I know we touched on this already but to be in that physical space in the same room when a non-Asian person steps up to ask a really thought-provoking question or to affirm their um, allyship with you and, and what this workshop or keynote or whatever the topic may be, to sit there and, and to hear that, see that. It's so hard to describe that feeling because, in so many spaces, not many would do that to stand up, you know, present themselves as being not Asian, to speak up on behalf of their Asian colleagues or students or community. And so those were really pleasant surprises that I personally have not experienced very much. And to experience that was a high for me.
0: And and we know the math. When you affect a teacher, you affect all their students. So there's a multiplier effect. And and which, you know, so it it might be 190. But for those that have, or high school for sure, it's uh, the 150 kids they're going to go back to. And then there are 150 the next year, and and that's got to be incredibly, incredibly gratifying as well. Um, And yeah, I think one of the things I think I missed on Saturday was uh, that I I would have felt very comfortable saying, okay, I've had these questions for years that I've been hesitant to ask anyone, or I didn't work with any Asian teachers, and so I just have to ask. And most of them probably would have been around. And, and Regina, you you held a, a a talk about teaching Vietnam in a history class. They would have been, I would have been there with, you know, 20 questions uh, about, is this is this off limits? Is this, how should we frame this? And and uh, is it okay to just talk about this? And, and that's, you know, the one I, I feel like I, I missed the most. But I just want to acknowledge that I, I felt like had I been there, I know that I could have you know, gotten through um, any hesitancy and said, here's, here's, okay, here's my real questions, right? Um, Strategies aside and content aside, here's my real questions. It would have been about the, the how kind of stuff. And so uh, I'm jealous of the people that were there and have serious, serious FOMO for missing, but
2: uh, um, Can I, can I follow up what you just said? I think what you are picking up on is what it means to create a safe space right like we're talking about a safe space that you felt virtually and you know as teachers who have taught through the start of the pandemic we've had to pivot and recreate and imagine and um and and you know care for our students how do we do that What did we learn from this conference? We learned that when you create spaces that are affirming, when you make visible people's identity, when you invite them to share their identities, you create safe spaces where participants in our cases, in our case, were other educators. But imagine this is the classroom. You create spaces where students will feel able to and comfortable to ask their questions to be their most true. An authentic self, and most importantly, to explore the unknown. Right, like you felt like you could ask us things you have kept to yourself. If you have, if you were with us in person and at any opportunity, you know, even through Zoom, we did have questions coming through during all the workshops of teachers wanting to know more. This is what this is. I mean, if we're t- going to talk about a high, that is the high. The high is a modeling of a space that feels safe and inviting for all. You know, it was a conference about it was spotlighting Asian-American studies, but it wasn't only for safe for Asian-Americans. It was safe and inclusive for all. And that's what it is that we're really trying to do. Um, Something I didn't get to say earlier is that the reason why it was spotlighting Asian-American studies is because Stacy and I and actually quite a few of the committee members are of um, Asian-American. We share Asian-American identity and experiences. So we wanted to speak from our own experience and use that to teach. But what we're really doing is we're modeling what it would look like to really like teach for justice. What would it look like to create an inclusive space? What does it look like when you come in trying to understand and learn, you know, and um, listen to one another's stories and then commit to bringing that into the classroom? That's what you felt. That's what we all felt. We felt the uh, um, imagining and the actual like manifestation of a space that we want in our own classrooms, a space that is safe and welcoming.
0: Yeah, I definitely got that. And of course, then thought, okay, how can I make my students feel this way, too? That was really the okay, You know, and, and strategies and content aside, like, how can I? connect and and you know as a non-asian who teaches in a predominantly asian school that was one of the things was okay i would i, I would like content and strategies and and those were definitely there but how, you know how do i connect that was really a major a major um question and, and how can i you know so that i can then teach so that they'll trust me you know that was a, a big part of it um, Surprises. Were there any big surprises in the, uh, either the process or the day? Uh, whether it was good or bad, you can pick. But did you have any major
1: surprises go on?
2: I can that's, see Stacey thinking, so I'll share. <laughs> that's okay um, if you did. Yeah. No, I, I think I. Honestly, the biggest surprise was just how well it went. Like for me, that was, I said it earlier, it was better than I could have imagined. And um, we debriefed as a committee and that was, it was like our committee was like high on life. Like we were so excited about it. And then another like surprise was we did ask um, the participants to to fill out a survey and give us feedback. You know, um, all good teachers do that, right? We reflect, think about ways we can improve it. And we did that and um, we got some great insights um, and the feedback was just so positive. Um, Over 90% of the participants that filled out the survey said that they would come back and that they would invite their colleagues. That, I mean, that is the, I mean, talk about surprise. We can talk about affirmation that the space that Stacy and I and other educators had imagined we needed was what we needed. So that was the, that was the surprise because we had never been in a space like that, you know? So, so we dreamt it, we tried to make it happen and then it it was affirmed. All
0: right, Stacey, do you have one or? You could use a pass, I think. If you,
1: <laughs> I feel like I addressed this a little bit with my high. It was like a high slash surprise, but you know, not to put a downer on things at all, because this is you know very positive. But you know, a, a not as positive surprise for me was the lack of participation and attendance from from more local districts that I thought would have sent a lot more teachers, educators. Um, it's fair,
0: including mine, you know, but, you know, I was,
1: I was surprised in, in not a good way when I was, as I was looking at attendance roll-in, to be really frank and honest, um, because, you know, I'm not originally from Orange County, but I've chosen to live here, and I've spent now 20 plus years in Orange County, and I'm very aware of the Asian communities, especially surrounding UC Irvine, um, where you know we're hosting this, and even for the virtual day, but regardless. I mean, and the lack of attendance um, from some local districts was was a little bit surprising for me and a little disappointing when I know that there are students in these communities that need this, they want this, they it's they there's activism requesting this. And I just feel like this was a missed opportunity to serve these students and meet these students. Um, so that was a disappointing surprise. Uh, a positive surprise was the was how um, news of our conference spread and we did have quite large attendees from places outside of Orange County. So I was like, wow, that's amazing you heard about this and that you're coming full force there is this one district where they sent probably 20 educators, including district office representatives. So I think there was an wow. assistant superintendent in attendance, a director of curriculum, and they attended with their teachers, which for myself, this is unheard of. <laughs> Shout out to Walnut Valley, by the way. Okay. And so that to me was a pleasant surprise. So I had my own personal disappointment of some districts that I was like, I really think you missed out like this was a missed opportunity on your part to serve your teachers and your community but on the other hand we have some other districts that showed up were committed attended um to me that is a model when you have district office folks who are in charge of curriculum attending this with their teachers so that they have this perspective of how to support their teachers and students and community um but you know what there's always next year, and there will yeah, always be and future ones. I can ones.
0: confirm that it was a huge missed opportunity. I, you know, I can definitely uh, uh, confirm that. And um, uh, <clears throat> uh, um, all right, what, let's um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about about moving forward here. What advice would you give to a non-Asian educator like myself, who teaches in a predominantly uh, Asian with a predominantly Asian population in front of them? What would be like one or two things like this is critical if you're teaching this this group.
2: Well, the way that you speak about your students, Alfredo, I already get a sense of your classroom and all your efforts to be inclusive. Um, so I would, you know, I I think it applies not just to Asian American students, right? Asian American and Pacific Islander students, but it applies to all of our students. Make sure that you are giving your students representation in the curriculum, right? Like, and do not only focus on sad things, like make sure that you are providing a lot of moments of celebration of their identity. Um, You know, the Vietnamese... American um, presentation that I did workshop that I did. It was on the Vietnamese American or the Vietnam War from the Vietnamese American perspective. And basically, our takeaway was one, don't introduce Vietnamese Americans only during the time you teach the Vietnam War, right? Vietnamese Americans are much more complex than that moment in history. We have like, we have culture, we have um, you know, we have family gatherings, we have like food to celebrate, we have songs and music and all the things that are, make us a community and that are rich, um, that also connect to the curriculum, the K-12 curriculum in a lot of ways. Um, please do not introduce our community in the context of only the Vietnam War, you know? Um, and so... I would say the biggest takeaway would be the same advice I would give us if we were teaching just all communities is that, like, look at your student population and make deliberate
1: choices to include them in your curriculum and center joy.
0: Right. Uh, I think the joy part is for Vietnam War, and this could be a whole separate conversation. Uh, is is tough, I think. You know, um, so many teachers, if they're going to show any video clips, will show these. You know, will show like these traditionally embraced American movies about the Vietnam War, and they focus on the soldiers' experience and the darkness about it, and it's it's um, it. it there is a place for that, but it's, it's one perspective. Um, and I think the longer you show a clip, even if it's an edited clip from Apocalypse Now or Platoon or any of these, it's like uh, it's at a certain point, I feel like it's doing more harm than good. It's like how long in a class period or over multiple days are you going to spend on that perspective without matching it with you know, other perspectives. And that really is, unfortunately, I think too many teachers go to, or it's centering the whole conversation on the American soldiers experience and, and, you know, all, all of that stuff. And, 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 um, you know, it's uh, and I, and I think depending on what part of the country you're on and, and things like that, it, it gets to be very tricky. And and now because of my experience, especially at this conference, I've, just have a different perspective. I just imagine being a kid in that class now and just being told like, this is all you really need to know. And, and let's move on. And, and that's, you know, I shared with you that, you know, wanting to show them the Anthony Bourdain episode of Vietnam and, you know, just other things where it's uh, from their own um, perspective. And they did some great reflections on it um, too, but that's, uh, I, I appreciate that. Anything, anything other big tips we can give teachers who are teaching in these um, communities that they
1: can really kind of settle on?
0: Let me, let me flip the question. Does the advice change if you're an educator in a school with a very small Asian community? do the do the tips change or do, do the things we, we should be doing for them change?
1: I don't think so <laughs> because remember at the root of it, it's just, it's meet your kids where they are, get to know your kids. Um, doesn't matter if it's one or 10 or your whole classroom. Um, obviously, if there are more, you know, you may be a little bit more intentional in what you want to include to maybe really help that particular group of students see themselves or identify, but it doesn't matter if it's one, 10 or your whole class, Um, you know, inclusivity is inclusivity for all. And, And it doesn't matter what you teach, you know, again, thinking about no matter what curriculum you teach, what grade level you teach, how are you making sure all of your students see themselves Um, learn about themselves and their histories and their experiences um, and celebrating the joy of that. Um, Because I would argue that, you know, for just using the example of Asian American studies, but this will goes for any community that if I'm working with a community that has very few or none, but I'm teaching them this, this is giving them the opportunity to understand and empathize with a community that is not theirs. And I think that's so powerful. And that's also something I didn't get as a kid, really getting to learn about other communities different from mine as well. I mean, we really only were taught one perspective growing up. And so I think it doesn't matter, you know, how many of what type of community you're serving, you're serving all of your students. And even if you don't have any Asian students at all, I think there is still power in including that because there is still power in learning from experiences that are different from yours.
0: Virginia, did you have another piece of advice for us?
2: Yes, I definitely want to um, reinforce what Stacey said, you know, that what we're, the advice that we're giving. Um, it comes from combined, Stacy and I have over 30 years of teaching experience. So, you know, I bring that up because we have, we're, we're, committed to learning and we um, are really trying to carve a path of what the uh, experience of students is that is different from our own experience as teachers and students that we we ourselves were not taught this way and even in like the teaching the teacher training programs and the professional developments that we're a part of and the conferences we attend like this is not the approach that we have been given we are um we are building as we're going we're imagining the classroom experience we want for our students and for ourselves as kids. And we're doing that. That's what we're, that's what's happening here. And what did we learn? Um, We learned that all students need this. And then um, another thing, and this is like me, I'm Vietnamese American, so I can teach from the Vietnamese American point of view, but I'm not Chinese American. And um, I'm also not like African American, Black. I'm also not Latinx, you know? So how do I bring all those perspectives in the class classroom and honor it, I turn to those communities to learn. So if I'm thinking about advice for all educators, my main advice would be to open yourselves up to learn from that community directly. We are in a time period where we have access to so many, um, so many wise, knowledgeable, um, open Um, you know, open speakers, like authors, scholars, just members of our community who are willing to teach us from their experiences. So as educators, if you want to know the best thing that you can do, I would actually say the very first step is to commit yourself to learning from the community um, that you want to bring into your classroom. And if you want to learn more, Stacey and I have curated resources that we ourselves have like vetted, we ourselves have learned from. And so, um, you know, you can find out those resources as well. So you can join us in our journey to continue to learn.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, and on that note, um, I reached out to to Dr. Thuy Vodeng about oral histories because I had was looking around for it and then her name was all over the stuff. And she just wrote. Uh, the the it was people's guide to orange county and she and you know we're in orange county and and um and I do want to say another great part about this conference was the people there were saying if you need anything reach out and I've been to plenty of conferences where people say that and then you reach out and they don't get back to you she got back to me right away gave me her schedule thing and was like I'd happy be happy to guide you in the right direction with this and so The people you did select, and it sounds like you know, you're saying you're curating resources. You're also curating people who are very, very consistent, very aligned. And I just think that there's such an alignment with 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 you two and what you're doing. Um, That's why it's so powerful. Um, The people are the real deal, and they really do want to help. And that just added for me because this just happened recently that I I reached out to it. It just reinforced for me that that what you guys are doing is. um, is super powerful, but it's authentic and, it, and it's helpful. And um, when you said you got to know your group, your students in front of you, um, it reminded me of, of an activity that um, I'm a mentor teacher with the district for new teachers, or I was this year. And my 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 rookie teacher had the assignment of, you know, run some data on the students in front of you, and then make like a chart and paint a picture for you know, the induction team, paint a picture of your students. And so she was running all these reports and making these charts. And, and I said, you know what, that, that's really helpful. <laughs> I'm going to do that for, for my, my classes. And it just I just felt better prepared because I had done all of this digging about how many of them, you know, what's their home language? What is their, what is their cultural background? But even things like, you know, parents at home and, you know, just a variety of things. And then it it inspired me to also do a a little questionnaire, get more get to know you stuff early on, you know, about their identities. And we used some of the facing history stuff, that identity cluster and things like that, which, you know, I used to think, oh, that might be a good thing to do. But I really dug into it this year and just had some um, really amazing results. And I just want to encourage teachers listening like getting to know your students painting a picture of them just helps you with planning and, and the cultural sensitivity and the the readings you choose and and a lot of the content stuff um all right last 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 part here you guys run or have founded educate to empower uh what is next for educate to empower and um where can people get a hold of you and and um you know, what, what's, what's, what's on the horizon here?
1: What we do, I have Twitter, Instagram, Linktree and website. Uh, I would say Linktree probably is like the best, like quick stop to find resources as well as, you know, um, read more about our advocacy, um, get lessons. Um, and a couple exciting things that we have teed up um, coming up soon. Um, we are hosting a couple workshops um, through UCI Teacher Academy again. And what we love most about this um, through uh, the generous support and uh, through a grant through Schools First is that these are free. It's free for educators. And I just cannot express like as an educator, just how amazing that is. I I can't even count the amount of things I've had to pay for out of pocket. So um, we're hosting some this summer and it's part of our building an anti-racist classroom community series and this is really for educators that want to know strategies for starting off the year Um, we dig in with identity community building um, and and we have books that we are raffling off as well so um, if anyone's listening that's interested that's offered this summer Um, we also have a couple other workshops that we are in the works of planning for the fall um, also through UCI Teacher Academy. Again, free through Zoom. Um, so we invite any and all who are interested to join. Um, I'm also very excited to tease a little announcement that we haven't properly announced it, but will soon. Uh, we received a grant in partnership with the OC Heritage Museum um, and UCI uh, Teacher Academy. And um, with, like you mentioned, Dr. Vo Dang and her book, Um, A People's History of Orange County. Um, And this is to help uh, create curriculum to align with that book, to support Orange County educators. And so we're very, very excited. We're still in the works of planning this out, um, but this will hopefully serve Orange County educators um, with resources, lessons, and inspiration on exploring our local histories here in Orange County.
0: Awesome. That, like, just as an Orange County teacher... I'm already excited um, because, you know, we, if we can act locally, put the national stuff aside, we can feel the impact so much quicker and, and so much it's, the impact is so much more relevant. We're not going to do a whole lot anytime soon about some of these big national issues, but, but we can make our immediate surrounding better. And, and, um, and you two are doing like, you're doing the stuff, right? Like following through, Um, and it's, and that, I think that's, that's different. It might feel natural to you guys. You're, you're a great team, but not everyone follows through. Not everyone says, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to actually do it. And, uh, it's inspiring. I'm grateful. Um, did you have any last parting words for, for, um, anyone listening or, or anybody who's interested, um, in any of the stuff we covered today? This is, this is your chance here.
2: Well, um, I uh, also don't want to forget to share that the Teaching for Justice conference at UCI, that was our inaugural one, and um, UCI has committed to making it an annual conference. So we are already in the planning process for the next conference. So um, that is part of our, our next action steps is we have the conference up Um, uh, next year's conference is in the uh, planning is in the works and for those of you that are listening that went to the the, um, Teaching for Justice conference in April, we are inviting the participants to share space with us this summer. Um, An announcement and email is going to come out and we're going to invite educators and other participants to share space with us and come and we're going to have um, uh, like a mini workshop on a lesson plan, inclusive lesson planning, and then we're just going to sit together and like create lessons together. So the teaching for justice conference is one moment of a, a collection of opportunities and community that we are building. So that's another part of our announcements. Um, again, our goal is really to center building community and bringing people together.
0: I love that. It was just, it was a moment and we're talking it up and it was awesome, but it was step one. There's so much more to do just because you missed the moment doesn't mean you missed everything. You just, there's, there's much more to get. And I highly recommend uh, anybody interested to reach out and that it'll be in the show notes, whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on, on a podcast, and you can also um, uh, hit me up and I will of course get you there. Uh, their contact stuff so uh thank you very much i i i know this was a lot of time and i know you're both very busy and it's it's a it's a weekday and everybody's very tired and there's also been a lot of the national events that have been really weighing on us so uh adding all of that i just want to say thank you before i let you go and just encourage everybody to um check out what you guys are doing and 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 hopefully try to recreate some of that, some of that love and empathy and compassion and especially joy in your classroom. Cause I think we could all use a little bit more of that. So I will see you guys soon. Thank you again. I appreciate you.